0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today, we talk to my friend... Casey Bowl of the Corn Belt Cadence. Casey is a crop production specialist, but also she is the founder of the Corn Belt Cadence, which is a network for those in the agriculture industry who want to share their knowledge and encouragement and guidance with one another, regardless of what sector they're in, what their age is, where they're located, uh, just a really cool uh, connection that she has formed. We talked today about a lot of things uh, about that connection, about growing online communities, but also we talked a little bit about the Indian a and a uh, really exciting conversation I have with Casey. And I really think that it's something that could have went on for hours. Um, but as you know, we have kind of a time limit here. So um, I think we will definitely have Casey back on the podcast. So um, what I want you all to do is please go leave us a review on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, because it helps us not only get out into a bigger crowd, but it also gets us to understand the things that we are doing right and hopefully things that we can improve on. So, uh, all right, here we go with my interview with K- the, my interview with Casey Bowl. All right, Casey Bowl, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How are you today?
1: Oh my gosh. I am pumped to actually be chatting with you today. I'm <laughs> doing good.
0: It's been, you and I have had quite a bit of scheduling interference over the last couple of weeks. Um, It's kind of just the way it goes when you get two busy people who are trying to get their schedules to mesh. It took me having a day off work for us to get this recorded, but I'm happy we finally made it here and uh, excited to chat.
1: Yes, I know. It's definitely been interesting when you have to work around not only your daytime job but kids and me time and planting season. I mean, you get it, rural life. It's it's definitely mm-hmm. difficult to juggle, but I think people in rural America are probably some of the most organized people because of that. So I'm definitely well, excited to, to get jumping on. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: So tell everybody about yourself, about, you know, how you grew up and what got you to where you are now.
1: Sure. So I grew up on a farm we raised corn and soybeans in West Central Indiana, like right on the state line of Indiana and Illinois, fourth generation farm. And so growing up on the farm, I just knew I wanted to be an ag and I didn't really know what that meant though. And so went to school for agriculture, came back home. Worked on the farm for a little bit, realized I needed to go get a real job. And so worked in a couple of you know big named companies that taught me a lot about different aspects of corporate America that also is agriculture. And so today I feel like I've been pretty well-rounded in a lot of the aspects that are you know, working professionally in this industry, which is agriculture. But I'm also finding that there's a huge gap for things. And one of the huge gaps that I've noticed is that I don't really have like a huge support system that really understands my goals. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of women in agriculture groups. There's a lot of agriculture groups in general, but not a lot of them are focused on leadership and development and professionally working within agriculture. And I've noticed there are a few out there, but they're very niche, and they're very intentional with what they do. And I wanted something to be a little bit broader. And so last November, I started up this group called the Corn Belt Cadence. And basically the intention behind it is to be a network, but also a place that is dedicated to leadership and growth and development all tied around agriculture so it's not just for men not just for women it's for anybody and everybody there doesn't have to be a certain location like only people in illinois can be a part of this or only people in indiana can be a part of this and so made it very general and so that's that's what i'm up to um on my personal time and then i also work for a company that um, i work directly with farmers throughout the midwest and enjoy that as well so definitely busy um Agriculture is my life and I'm tied to it in about every aspect you could possibly think of.
0: So you growing up as a farm kid, how has that influenced your interactions with the people who you work with both peers and then the people whom I guess represent or you communicate with outside of your peer group? That's
1: a pretty deep question because Growing up in agriculture and working in agriculture, I like to assume that people have the same culture, the same work ethic, the same goals and desires and understanding of our way of life. And when I say our way of life, I'm probably most generally talking about farmers. And something that I've had to really step back and find grace and understanding. And is that even though there are people that are working within agriculture, that doesn't always mean that they grew up on a farm or that they even have an ag background. And so what I'm finding with the company that I work for now is that sometimes I can't assume that someone really understands what I'm talking about. Or like if I'm requesting assistance from one of the leaders in my company to, you know, help with a special or unique situation or conversation, I have to really prep them on, this is how we need to approach XYZ person, or this is the type of um, tone I would suggest that we use, you know, things like that. Because like I said, there's a cultural difference, Um, even for, here's an example of, of One person that I used to work with that was from the north um, and she didn't have an ag background but went on farm with me. to go visit with one of my growers and they thought that she was kind of like snotty or, um, a little stuck up, but it was just her Northern accent. And so when you talk to someone from like Kentucky who definitely does not have a Northern accent, you know, there's a lot of, um, it could be misinterpreted or miscommunicated. And so what I'm finding I have to do a lot of the times is, um, take some time to really understand like what's the actual message and it's like not always what you say but how you say it and so I'm just really trying to find the the good (laughs) balance between the two of those things so that's something I've had to deal with a lot lately is uh, making sure that I don't assume people are raised or thinking the same way that I am but also you know how do we bridge the gap between the cultures the perspectives the backgrounds things like that
0: so, do you feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding? I mean, I know there obviously is misunderstanding. We talk about it a lot, but you know, to what degree is the misunderstanding of folks in agriculture from people outside of the industry?
1: Um, like I said, I think that's a pretty loaded question, too, because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding just within the industry, too. And not to, not to caveat exactly. or yeah. pivot, Um, And I I don't know who's right or wrong in this particular conversation, but I did see something posted on Instagram a while back, for example, that was a conventional farmer who had a non-conventional farmer, someone who was doing like the regenerative ag practices and things, make a comment. And the person who was conventional said, you know, like, we don't have an issue with chemicals. We don't have an issue with this. They're safe. But, and like, they totally ripped the other person a new one And what I had read, I didn't think that the person who was non-conventional was (laughs) wrong. And so it's just one of those things like that's something I deal with now in a day-to-day basis that I didn't understand Mm. thoroughly until last year. So coming from agriculture, I had this way of thinking like we used chemicals, we did tillage practices on our farm. And now I'm working with growers who are trying to find ways to not have to till, to not have to use inputs that are, you know killing insects or killing weeds and I'm not saying either is right or wrong but it's just a whole different way of doing things and that's what works for that particular grower's farm and there's even miscommunication within that and so like I don't that's something I'm still trying to work on as well like I said it's I was that way of thinking this is how things should be thought about, or this is how we farm up until last year when I was exposed to a whole new set of growers who were like, well, we're doing it this way and this is why it works and this is why we're doing it. I'm like, oh, never even thought about that before. So not only is there a cultural difference within the industry, but there's a whole nother conversation to be had with industry to industry too. So, I mean, these are deep, deep discussions that I don't think we have enough time for today.
0: No, yeah, I know we don't. Well, let's stay on that for just a second. With people with uh, within the industry having, because I feel like people are very they take what they do very personally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you're on a generational place. Uh, it's, I mean, even there's misunderstanding on the same farm between generations you know so i think that i think that there is a lot of middle ground that we all have that we fail to find anymore um we so and i i actually we chatted about this i brought this up in our church discussion yesterday in sunday school and i talked about how we are at a time in history where there's two ideals that are coming head to head uh that's purism uh, the inability to see anything outside of your own realm uh, or or even even subtle nuanced differences are still wrong. And then also tribalism, where we all uh, stick to our own tribe and we will defend our tribe until you know, to the death, uh, hopefully figuratively, sometimes literally, I think. So, and I think that it's also true. It's also the same thing can be said about agriculture because we are, we do tend to be purist and we also tend to be tribal, um, you know, there is a lot of talk is, oh, we all are in this together. But when sometimes when it really all comes down to it, we're going to stick to our guns and, you know, defend it. And, and I guess what, I don't know if there's a question in there or maybe just a topic, a point of discussion of, you know, how do we how do we celebrate the nuanced differences instead of making them points of contention?
1: Boy, I don't know. I mean, so I talked just a little bit about, you know, leadership and growth and development being something that is a huge factor in my life. It's something I think is very important. And the only thing that I can really, I guess, tag on to that is about 2000 early 2019 I graduated from Purdue extension had a leadership program in our county and I went through that program it was like uh, I think 11 months and I took the program because I was thinking you know, like not only am I a Taurus, I'm a middle child, I'm headstrong. Like I always felt like I'm like this leader of the pack, right? Like I've always felt like I had the voice and I wasn't afraid to say my opinion and just always felt like that was my calling. Right. And so I took this leadership class thinking, this is going to be a breeze. I'm just going to figure out how to be better at what I'm already doing. And I tell you what, one of the most like face slapping, takeaways that I had from that leadership course was that sometimes the absolute best leaders are the ones who shut up and sit in the back. And that was really Mm. hard for me to comprehend and understand because like I said, like I've always thought like if I had this opinion or if I did this thing, like I'm usually right. Like if, if this thing is working for me, that must mean that it's the best thing for everybody. And that's not the case. And I think we could kind of shift that learning that I went through two years ago into what we were just talking about is we have opinions and we have experiences that help us, you know, cultivate or form the actions that we do. And like I said, it's not always the case that it's going to work for everybody else. And I think within agriculture, what we need to figure out is say, okay, yeah, here's this one way of thinking over here. And here's this other way of thinking over here. Neither of them are right or wrong. How do we just accept that there is a little bit of a middle ground? And I mean, that kind of stuff rings true at home too, you know, like, between a husband and in their wife or through kids. You know, it's not that one is right or one is wrong. It's just that they're just different levels or different ways of thinking of things. And we have, we have to remember that no matter how hard we try to force our opinion or force the facts on someone too, because that's what a, I think ag has right. been. Well, these are the facts. This is the facts about beef. And here's the facts about dairy and the facts about this. It's like, that doesn't mean you're gonna change anybody's opinion. Some people are just incapable of comprehending what you're trying to say. So changing the form of communication, changing the mm-hmm. actual words being used. Like I know like when I'm having a disagreement with my husband, sometimes it's easier if I just text it to him so he can like actually read it and comprehend it being written down and taken a second to process it rather than me verbalizing it. Like things like that. It's like, I think that that might be, something that we could try as an industry of just trying different forms of communication just trying to to not always have to solve the problem as well like sometimes we just have to accept that people are going to disagree and sometimes we just have to accept that we're not always going to have everything figured out right the second or at this particular post on social media is not going to solve the problem right now. And I think having the grace and having the understanding that sometimes we just can't do anything about it is, you know, something that I think we have to take into consideration. So.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think you're ahead of the curve there as far as um, understanding that we're just like totally sometimes understand that, hey, we're not going to agree um, on certain A friend of mine, we were actually the same, it was the same discussion, but it was after church and him and I were talking and he said, you know, we all want the same thing. Uh, My, uh, my, he said he had a friend who went and taught Sunday school at a prison and he went and he, he started the, started the lesson and he said, I want you, each of you to tell me what you want, what you want. uh, What are the things that you want? And one guy wants, I want a big house. I want a big motorcycle. I want uh, this fancy car. And he said, no, no, those are all things. What, what do you want? And they all confused and said, you think those things are going to make you happy. And we, that's, that is what you're trying to achieve by those things. So we all want to be happy, right? So, um, no matter happiness obviously looks different for you. It looks different for me. It looks mm-hmm. ad- different for everybody. But I think the core thing that each and every one of us wants, no matter what our background, how we farm, how we do anything, where we live, we all want to be happy. That's our. That's the core want in this life. And um, when we start to realize that, I think that we all really want the same thing. Um, I- I, I, I believe, you know I, maybe this is me being overly optimistic that the world will be a much simpler place. Um, I don't know, that's pretty deep. Uh, it's pretty maybe uh, abstract, but I think it, I think it holds some weight in that maybe we can shift conversations to help everybody understand that. We all really want the same things in life.
1: Yeah. And I think to even add another layer to that is I challenge people to think about, do you actually think being happy is going to make you happy? You know what I mean? Like, why, why do we have to set this goal of like, I just want to be happy. And that's something that like for my mental health, I'm struggling with because like, well, what's going to make that happen? I think that I think I, I need to change maybe my mindset into saying, instead of, I just want to be happy to, I want to be content. I want to be satisfied because if I say I want to be happy, then I have nothing to look forward to after that. And so it's like, I'm never going to be satisfied if I'm never happy, or I'm never going to like, I don't have anything to chase for. You know what I'm saying? Like, What happens then? And so, like, I just wish that I could be content with where I'm at. Like, I can be happy or I can be sad. And I think I need to embrace both of those. I just need to be content with how I'm feeling right now, whether that's happy, sad, angry, confused, whatever. I need to be content with how I'm feeling because what I, (laughs) I know you're, I told you this is deep and maybe we need to have like part two, three, four. But I don't want to just be happy. Like I want to learn because if I'm not frustrated, if I'm not confused, if I'm not sad, how do I know what to do different? How do I know how to grow? And so like, that's like in this leadership program that I went through and even through the Corn Belt Cadence, you know, I've got this mentoring program. I thought it was going to be really cool to have my can my connections be introduced to my other connections and then they can mentor each other right but then i found like i wasn't happy in that because i wasn't in control i wasn't um you know equipping these mentors with a workbook that held each other accountable so the whole thing flopped right so i wasn't happy with that so it's like okay what can i do to be content and happy with what I'm doing. So I'm just gonna take matters into my own hands. And so like, I've put the responsibility on myself and kind of shifted our mentoring program around, but it's like things like that, it's like, okay, each person is gonna be different that's coming through this mentoring program. So I can't just have one workbook that's gonna to apply to every single person because there's different goals, there's different outcomes, there's different ways of doing things, there's different everything. And so everything has to be customized in a way And I think we have to customize each of our conversations within this industry as well, because like you said, not every conversation is going to end the way that you hope it's going to, or, um, people's backgrounds aren't going to be the same way. So they're never going to always be able to comprehend what you're saying. So if your goal is by posting or by saying X, Y, Z fact, or X, Y, Z controversy, are you hoping to be happy after you post that? Like, will you be satisfied if you get the response that you want? Like, what is your point with all of that? You know, and I I took the complete scenic route getting to that point, but you know, like, those are the things it's like, I think if we set ourselves up to saying like, if I could just be happy and do these things to get to being happy, you're going to be let down. You're not going to get happy. And I think we just need to, like, take a second to be like, let's just be content with how we're feeling and accept that. Does that make sense? Like I said, I know I took the scenic route there. Yeah,
0: no, it, no, no, it does. It does. And, it like, be. Uh, there's a saying that comes, and I've heard Whitney Larson say this, and several people say this, tell us to me, Um be where your feet are. Be present. Be content. That's something I struggle hardcore with. It it really is. I, I I struggle so much with being just um just content with what I'm doing. Being present with what I'm doing because I want to be good at all these other things. Um, but sometimes I'm got all these other things that are taking priority. And I look at this other thing like, man, I really wouldn't be good at that. But that means I'm gonna have to give up some of this. And, you know, trying to find that place where you are content and understanding that you aren't going to be the the you aren't going to always have the answers and you aren't always going to be on top of everything and you know it's talking about juggling the balls and you have to have you have to be juggling glass balls and rubber balls and the rubber balls are the ones that get to fall to the floor where the where the glass balls are the ones that you have to keep in the air and you have to decide that you are the only one that can decide that and um you know it comes down to just setting your priorities and being happy with so for me and i think you oops, i think you can appreciate this in saying that i am in a season of life where i have four boys at home who are involved in freaking everything. Uh, I mean, you you know this uh, personally because of how hard it was for me to get a schedule together. Um, You know, I work a a 40-hour-a-week job besides running a farm and have this podcast and do a million things. So uh, being able to, like, prioritize my stuff has been extremely hard for me. But understanding that, you know, we are in a certain season of life. Um, for me, I mean, I, we're, my oldest is 16 and he's not going to be here very much longer and trying to absorb all the time I have with him and understanding that I'm still going to be in my fifties when my youngest leaves, you know? So like, I still have understanding, I still have a lot of time left in this life for the things that I don't have time for right now. Um, you know, I'm going off on a rabbit, kind of a rabbit hole there, but, it's really important to understand that um, you have to have your, you have to set your priorities and you have to understand the things that um, are important to you right now and be content tending to those things.
1: Oh, I agree. And you're right. I mean, those are things I'm struggling with too. And I so badly wanted to be like, Jason, just call it off. You know, like, because I, I, I'm a planner and I like to know like when I set a schedule that that is how the things are going to go. And so to be honest, like this whole experience, you know, trying to get this recorded has been a huge growth opportunity for me because like, like I said, I expect things to go according to plan. And so I'm in this season of life now too, where like Hudson is starting to get more involved in sports and our careers are shifting and it's, you're getting some responsibilities and it's just, it's just a whole new season of life that I haven't yet gotten into, you know, like running kids around to sports and stuff like that and trying to work full time and do this corn belt cadence on the side. Like those are priorities. And so I get it. I absolutely get it. But instead of me saying, like, I think I sent you one text that you're like, I'm so sorry. I got to cancel. I'm like, Jason, (laughs) I wanted so badly to just be like, don't worry about it. Like, let's just, let's just call it off because like, obviously like our things aren't working out, but I think the most important takeaway for me was like, you don't need someone else to be like, Hey, your life is hectic, get your crap together. Like, you know that. And so the learning on my end was I expect people to have grace for me when I don't show up on time or when I can't deliver you know, whatever. And so like, I have to figure out how to give that back. And that's, that's the whole, like, I always try to find like the thing with every event or like, what's this mean? Like, I think we talked about this before, like we're Enneagram stuff, you know, like I'm an Enneagram four. And so I'm always trying to find like the hidden meaning behind like every conversation. And so it's like, well, maybe it's not meant to be for Jason and I to have this recording. And so I really, you know, really wanted to just be like, don't worry about it because it would be less stressful for you. And I don't want to inconvenience you. And so I'm just going to like cancel for him. But the meaning and like the takeaway for me was I expect people to give me grace when I can't deliver what I think I should deliver. So like the learning is to figure out how do I let Jason know, like, he's not a bother. Like it actually didn't bother me, but in my head, I'm like, does he like not want to talk to me? Like, is there a, a meat, you know what I'm saying? Like here I am going on this rabbit hole and I'm completely all over the place today But you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a mental health thing that I'm trying to deal with is like, I don't want people to think I'm a bother to them. But I also want to figure out like, how do I learn from this? Like, is this the lesson? You know, it's, I'm a mess.
0: (laughs) No, I and I think that's, I think people can really relate to that. And um, because we do, like we do tend to think that we too tend to project thoughts onto other people and we always like sometimes i feel like we look for the worst case scenario right um and i think it's really helped me to understand that you know most people are are and this, this sounds worse than I'm really meaning it, but most people just are really just thinking about themselves and trying to do the best for themselves. And, you know, and, you know, and I, I promise you when we were trying to record this, it wasn't that, I <laughs> it wasn't that I, uh, didn't have like, didn't want to talk to you. It's just, man, get when you have four kids doing a million things. It's, it's tough, you know, it's really (laughs) tough. And the summer has been really tough on us. Um, But like you said, you were very gracious with me and giving me the grace to go ahead and, you know, keep this. And, you know, it took me being off work on a Monday afternoon for it to happen, but that's okay because it still happened. And, um, you know, understanding that people, if you would need to be graceful with yourself, because most people will be graceful with you as well.
1: Yeah, I that's just something I struggle with. Like, I took it as maybe I'm not like important enough, or like what I'm going to share with him today isn't like keynote worthy enough to like really dedicate time. And I know this is completely not something you thought about, but like I I think about that in a lot of things. Like even with my job, like if I'm talking to a grower and it's the middle of planting season, and I know I have to have a call with him or I have to check in on him, and you know he's busy, like. I, you know, Hey, I'm trying to get planting done or whatever. Like I take stuff so personally and it's like, Oh, maybe he like thinks I'm just another salesperson and doesn't want to talk to me. And I take that personally, or yeah, I'm just, you know, in general, like I just take everything to heart. And so I'm trying to be very careful of what I post about on social media too, because it's like, if I post something that's controversial and someone disagrees with me, like, I really don't want it to be an invitation to rip me apart and say, you're wrong in all these levels. Like, how do you be an advocate for certain topics um, within the industry, knowing that you're going to have a disagreement somewhere along the line? And do people personally think like, I'm a bad person because I believe this certain practice within ag is better than this one or you know what I mean like that's it's so touchy but how do you how do you advocate for it how do you talk about it how do you get information about it without seeming this way or that way and so it's like my personal confidence level or enneagram fourness shines through even when I'm trying to have like those conversations in my day-to-day job with people in my industry and people outside of my industry so to just like kind of tie that back to four questions ago like it's, it's tough, especially for me. And I, I, that weighs on me and I'm thinking about that all night long. You know, it's like, who do you talk to about that? I don't know any other Enneagram fours that I can just call up and be like, this happened to me at work today. And I don't know how to go to sleep and shut it off and like, deal with it. You know, like, how do you, who do you talk to about that kind of stuff? And you're right. Like not a lot of people in agriculture talk about feelings, let alone what we've been talking about today for the last half an hour. You know, like those aren't things that people discuss. Like no one talks about like how offended I was that someone was busy planting and didn't have time for me. Like that's not something most people let off, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I know. And I think, and I think this has been my experience. When you share your struggles when you share the things that you are working on for yourself um you know it gets it can get feel really yucky really uh just make you feel really insecure but mm-hmm. you'll be surprised at the people who are like oh yeah i know how you feel i stay up but i stay up at night thinking about things stupid things i said four years ago because i do like i'll have a stupid interaction with somebody at a checking out at the grocery store and I won't think about it for four months and then in, I'll be trying to fall asleep And then boom I remember the stupid thing he said to the cashier at Walmart that you yeah. know that happens to me that happens to me a lot more than I'd like to admit I still think about things stupid things I did in high school that was 20 years ago you know so I mean I think that when people become vulnerable and they start speaking out about the things that they struggle with because let's face it social media has become something where they where it's a perfectly curated version of somebody's life and it looks pretty and you know the point of Instagram is for things to look beautiful because it's all about the pictures right um, and that's all great. And it's cool to have cool pictures, but at the same time, I think people are also looking for a bit of stability and a bit of relatability and sharing how you struggle. And even like, not even just sharing how you struggle, but also sharing like the small wins for yourself, um, you know, that may not be, may not seem big for you. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's huge. We were talking about this the other day and, um, it was Whitney Larson again. And she was talking about how um, she was in this group and they were talking about their big wins for the week. And people were talking about these huge wins. And she's like, I had 30 minutes by myself without any kids, you know, like that's a huge win for me. And like, I can totally relate to that because that's the way my life is, you know? So, I mean, being, be making your, yourself relatable, I think is one of the, is one of the key things in, and I think that's a big part of being, to, ta- to, to uh, tie it back to leadership. I think it's one of the great things about being a leader too, is because people are, um, I think they're influenced by people who they can relate to, but also can take, uh, take lessons from, um, at least in my experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's still tough. So, because even the accounts I follow on Instagram that show like the real reels of things still get hammered with like, Oh, now you're faking this. Like, it's not actually that bad. Or, you know, like you're going to get hammered no matter what you do. And so then I think it puts people's walls up to be like, you know what, maybe I don't want to be vulnerable. Maybe I don't want to share these. Yeah, no, you're right.
0: I, you're right. Yeah. I don't
1: want to like how many pictures of cornfields can I possibly share with a cool sunset? Like, like I'm going to run out of content. Like I'm going to have to eventually like post a picture or, uh, you know, something about like advocating for a specific thing. And I'm just dreading the day that someone's going to disagree with me or have a comment about it. Cause like I'm, I, that I take it so personally. And so then I'm just like, well, do I, struggle with the fact that I'm not being vulnerable and only showing certain parts of my life, or do I struggle with the fact that I have these passionate things that I want to express and I want to share, but I'm going to be judged. And so it's like, what do I do? Like I'm kind of like stuck in the middle, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I understand. And there's both, there's two sides of that story. And, you know, um, bottom line, whatever it is, no matter what you do um, it has to be, you it has to be for you it has to be personal it has to be uh something um and if you you know by all means if it's if this is something uh, if sharing your story makes you uh feel too vulnerable don't do it right um but uh you know just whatever you do do it for you i think that's a big takeaway from things we're talking about
1: yeah absolutely and i i think that goes back to your You know thing like i just want to be happy and we all just want to be happy we just all want to be accepted by our peers within the ag industry we all just want to be accepted by those in other industries because i mean as you know like last year was all about diversity and inclusion and that's that's not going away and so how do we how do we open our arms and our eyes within agriculture to others in agriculture that differ from us. I mean, not just across races or across genders, but like, Just different. I mean, like different farming practices, even like exactly that's that's diversity in itself. You know, like that's a whole whole can of worms.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, that's. I had an episode about this a couple of weeks ago, and where we talked about. I talked about diversity, and diversity is much diff, much more, much deeper than um, what we look like or what background we came from. I mean, that's all part of it too, but just even the day-to-day things that we do, I mean, um, you are in ag communications, right? That's a big part of what you do. You also grew up on a farm, but your background, I mean, even on the surface, it may seem that you and I have very similar backgrounds. If we really dig deep into it, we don't, um, I mean, there are like big things that are different, but they're such small little nuanced things. You know, you being from West Central Indiana is much different than me being from the Ozarks. And me growing up on a cow-calf operation is much different than you growing up on a corn and bean operation. You know, things are, even though they seem so similar, it is so different than, you know, we grew up so, in such different places. Um, I don't know how old you are.
1: 30. You're 30. Actually, just kidding. I'm 31. Thirty-one. I forgot.
0: Yeah. Well, how I had
1: a birthday. Actually, well, I'm 29. Let's yeah, go 29. Right.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the club. I forget. I forget how I, <laughs> Carrie has to tell me how old I am. I mean, once a week, I, I can't ever remember if I'm 36 or 37. I'm 37, <laughs> I think. But, um, but, you know, so I mean, we're different ages. You know, we, we went to high school at completely different times. Um, you know, the way the world shaped us is different. It's different. We have just, we probably have different outlooks on the world and that's okay. Um, you know, I would, I remember, and this is something like, I think is like a distinct part of my age, which is a very small subset of the population, um, who we we are between generation X and between millennials. We're like in the middle there. And Mm -hmm. remember the, and this is like totally a rabbit hole and totally unrelated to anything we're talking about, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Um, it's, it's the memory right. of the
1: podcast. You do what you want. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the memory of nine 11, what nine 11 was to me. Um, nine 11 was uh, viewed in my world, totally different than probably a lot of people's because, um, I was 18. I was of age to go to that. I could go to the military. Um, You know, that's a serious discussion I had with myself if if I was going to go to the military or not, and I remember that shaping a lot of my worldview was just from that single event being at that part of time for me, and. I thought living in my little town in Missouri that everybody else had that same worldview, but that's not the case. I'm And and the older I get, the younger the people I interact with are and understand that what you were probably in like sixth grade when 9-11 happened, right? So, I mean, it probably looked way different to your 12-year-old eyes than it did to my 18-year-old eyes or whatever, however old you were. Um, and it was just probably just totally different. So that's just one example of one moment in time of how you and I probably be- viewed it very differently um you probably saw it more from your parents reaction to it whereas I saw it more from my own reaction to it uh I don't know I'm I'm projecting things on you and I don't mean to be doing that yeah. but um but but uh, I'm just you know just thinking here and that's uh it's just a small example of a much bigger issue at hand here is we all think we see the world the same way when in fact we don't. I don't even see the world the same way in my own household with my wife. I mean, we see the world completely different ways and she is scaringly, similar to you in that how she would have struggled with me rescheduling this podcast like we did. Um, She would have had a very hard time with that too, just for your information. So at least you don't have to live with it. She has to live with it. This is like, this is our life, you know what I mean? So uh, it's, uh, it's just funny that... And I think, and, and let's, let's, we'll talk about this for a little bit and we'll talk about the Enneagram because you've mentioned it so much. And we had a podcast with Taryn Drilling, um, that was devoted to the Enneagram and an Enneagram within ag. And, um, I like how has it helped you understand yourself and when did, I know you recorded a podcast on it on your own podcast. Um, but tell everybody how it has helped you kind of figure out your place in the world.
1: Yeah, you're right. I think it's probably been, well, when did you and I start chatting? It was probably like what, February, maybe like early Mm -hmm. on. And right around then was when I first started dabbling into it. So my friend, Emily Russell, um, she is really big into the Enneagrams and I had her on the Corn Belt Cadence podcast to just kind of talk about Enneagrams and ag. And how like she benefited from having the understanding of her Enneagram type and her husband's Enneagram type, because her husband's a farmer and, you know, we like to, to stereotype farmers and especially, you know, folks who are 30 to 35, like we think, Oh, this next generation is going to act a certain way. Um, especially being a farmer. And so like, it's kind of helped her since she didn't come from a farming background to figure out, okay, like when he's out in the field, Um, You know, like, is he actually being this certain way, or am I just perceiving him being this way because he's trying to work and this is how I am? Blah, blah, blah. And so, like, we talked a lot about that. And so, since that podcast, I've done a lot of like soul searching. And I know that I've been Mm -hmm. told that I am an old soul and that the way I think about life and think about the world and relationships and connections with people is on a whole nother level than most people in general, especially people my age. And so I understand, I may sound a little out there at times. um, And I think the Enneagram has helped me embrace that because I always thought maybe like, maybe I'm just like, there's something wrong with me that I'm not agreeing or that I'm not seeing how everybody else is seeing things. Like, Say for example, I'm in a group of uh, people for a project and every single person in that group sees things or the process of how we should get these tasks done this way. And then I'm over here thinking, well, why wouldn't we do it this way? That's quicker, it's more efficient, we're being more thorough. Like, I just don't understand why we wouldn't take this approach. And so like for me to be like, all right, I'm just going to keep quiet because I'm the one who's different here and I'm the minority of the opinion here. I kind of kept quiet. And um, you know, there were a lot of occasions where I would say, no, all of you are wrong. My way is going to be working because X, Y, Z reasons. And so that's when I started going to that leadership program and I'm like how do I figure out how to hone this in because I think that my ideas are actually worth a darn and I'm tired of keeping my mouth shut about it and I really want to express it but how do I do it in a way that doesn't come across as like really in your face or me trying to be bossy like I don't want to be bossy but I truly think like can we at least consider what I'm saying because I think it's worth hearing you know so how do I get this message across without being perceived of that X, Y, Z reason. And I don't feel like I need to keep my mouth shut about it. And so like, I'm just, like I said, I'm all up in this like whirlwind of like, do I keep my mouth shut or do I stand tall? Like there's no in between for me. And that's something I struggle with. And so understanding my Enneagram type has helped me at least accept that that's the way that I am. And that if I strongly feel a certain way, you can definitely share that, but do it in a tactful and you know, like mm-hmm. e- efficient way that's like professional yet, you know, whatever. But then if I'm like, well, maybe I'm second guessing. Like, it's okay to not say something and hear what everybody else has to say because it's hard for me to think that somebody else has a better idea than me. And that's just, I'm sure people listening are gonna be like, wow, she's really full of herself. But I mean, that's something I struggle with. Like, I I have a hard time thinking people have better ideas than me, and I have a hard time thinking that someone's approach is going to work better than mine. And I struggle with that. And it's like, why was I built with this way of thinking if it wasn't for a reason? You know, like, why was I given all of these ideas and what I feel is creative if no one thinks that they're worth a darn So like, why, why do I feel this urge to do something if I'm not actually supposed to do anything? So I question a lot about who I am. I, my, I have my confidence tweaked in that sense. And so then it's like, well, if I, you know, want to move forward with this thing or that thing, like, is it good enough to do? Like, that's what I talked about earlier. Like maybe I'm not good enough to be on Jason's podcast and he's second guessing having me on or like stupid stuff like that. And I think a lot of people have those second guessing thoughts, but they don't know how to voice it. They don't know how to say like, I'm struggling accepting this. or I'm struggling understanding like why I'm feeling these things. And I think maybe I just have been like pushed to the point where it's like, I have to say something or I'll like die. Like, (laughs) I know I'm so dramatic, but you know what I was trying to say?
0: (laughs) No. Yeah, no. And I, and okay. I don't get how you feel because i don't feel that way um but i understand i totally believe that you feel that way you know what if that if that makes any sense and i i I total because i am very different in that Mm -hmm. i i almost anticipate other people having better ideas than me or like i feel welcome to have other people have ideas um but there, but there's a, there's room for both of us, right? Um, there's room for people and it's needed for people like you who are so, so strong in their convictions that, um, they, you know, we want those people. We want those people who don't think it's anybody else has a better idea than them because we want them to stick to their ideals. And, um, how many things, if, how many things in this world wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for people being so strong in their convictions. And so that's a very, very, um, that's a very important trait to have, even if I don't have it. Um, I think that's, I, and I am almost sometimes envious of that, uh, because I don't have that. Um, but at the same time, uh, I'm probably, uh, much more, agreeable than you so I don't struggle with the things that you struggle with so it's it's a it's a it's a give and take and we all uh, we all have our certain struggles and I think it's important to know that we are also different um, but also being able to see the differences in other people can really help us get along in this life a little bit better
1: yeah and I think understanding what my Enneagram is has helped me, in those situations, like we talked about, like say that controversial post on Instagram, I so badly wanted to be like, I don't see anything wrong with what she said, but like me being me, I just know like, I don't want the stress. So I'm not even going to participate in the conversation. Like why even comment, like hide the post and move on with my day. And I don't think a lot of people have the ability to be like, I'm just going to gloss over it and move Mm -mm. on. Like I don't have to engage. I don't have to have an opinion. And so I think understanding the Enneagram is like, okay, I can sit here and I can think about it and I can process it on my own, but I don't have to comment on it. And I think Also understanding the different types of Enneagrams, like you saying, like, I'm Enneagram this, like, I know that I can give you more grace in those areas, because I know that that's how you deal with things, or that's how you see things. And that's helped me working with my growers, too, because, like, I look at my dad, and I always thought, oh, my dad is a sturdy, rough and tough farmer who's got a work ethic like a son of a gun, who, you know, just gets things done. And then like over the last couple of years, as I've like gotten to know him as a friend and not just dad. Like, you know, like we're working together and we're having deep conversations about life. And you know, he's getting older and so he's had health concerns. And so Mm -hmm. it's like you know, you look at your family in a different lens when they're not like what you thought they were when they were growing up. Like I thought my dad was like this steel bullet. And now I'm looking at him and I'm like, I don't know how he hasn't had 15 heart attacks or like, I don't know how he just now started getting gray hair because like, you know, it's just like, I just look at like what you've gone through in your farm and like what you've gone through in life and I don't know how you've managed life without being able to talk to somebody about that. Like he doesn't go to a therapist. He talks to my mom and that's his only source of venting. And it's like, I don't know how you've been able to deal with that. And I look at so many other farmers and I keep referring back to farmers because that's who I deal with on a day-to-day basis. And I know that there's much more to agriculture than that. Sure, I mean, that's who I'm interacting with. And so it's just like, I can look and say, I think I um, would like to pinpoint my dad as an Enneagram, whatever. And if that's the case, then maybe I need to try this approach with him. And so that's definitely helped me um, tailor my conversations and my actions with people because I'm anticipating... Like if I think that they're a certain Enneagram, I'm going to try this with them. If I, if I haven't ever been able to get something through to them before, maybe it's because they don't perceive things this way, or maybe they don't... Um, you know understand how to communicate until this way this way or this way and so like i've been trying to like play around with what i'm doing with certain people to see if that changes sure their sure. response or you know it encourages them in this way or maybe it like discourages them that way blah 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 and so I mean, it's, the Enneagram has been a huge tool for me. I mean, I can yeah. certainly learn more about how to use it more um, effectively, but I mean, those are those are just a few ways that it's impacted my life personally.
0: Yeah, bottom line. And I think what people can take away from it is, is um, we're all going to react to We're going to all, we're going to react to a certain situation differently. And, you know, the Enneagram can be a tool Uh, first for how we view the world and why we feel maybe feel finding a little bit of solace in our own way. But then once you expand outside yourself and in with the people within your closest relationships, um, it helps you understand them and then how you re- interact with them on a day to day more. Um, and then it can fan out from there to, you know, more, uh, colleagues and acquaintances. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a really, really valuable tool that, um, I don't think that I have found the, um, really even the tip of how it can be helpful yet. Um, because it is a super, super interesting thing. Absolutely. Well, Casey, I appreciate your time here. We're running shoot almost an hour now. So, uh, let everybody know where they can find you, how they can find corn melt cadence, um, how they can find you online, uh, and any other, any other parting thoughts that you'd like to have here this afternoon?
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Jason, for, you know, making time for me and allowing me a, a platform to voice kind of, you know, my concerns around agriculture and different ways that I think we could make an impact together, not only just, like I said, within the ag industry, but as we intertwine with other industries as well, because like you said, at the end of the day, we've all got one mission and that is to just, you know, be happy and have a positive experience. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if anybody wants to reach out to me, they can find me on Instagram as Cornbelt Casey. I'm also on Twitter as Cornbelt Casey K-A-C-E. Um, There is a Facebook group for the Cornbelt Cadence um, and a website www.cornbeltcadence.com. But you know my my main mission is just to try to figure out like how can I support others in the ag industry to, kind of have these like aha moments or like, how do I learn? How do I grow? And that doesn't mean specifically professionally, but how do I just become a better person? And I don't have all of the answers, but I think I've gotten to the point where it's like, I I know enough people within the industry that if I don't have the answer, I can definitely point you to someone who may, and if they don't, then they know someone. And like, that's the whole point of the Corn Belt Cadence is to be a network. That's like, I just need to know like who I can reach out to for this or who can help me with this, blah, blah, blah. Like that's the whole point of the Corn Belt Cadence is to just like open up our Rolodexes to help each other out both personally and professionally within the agriculture industry. And so again, appreciate your time. And I know that this has probably been a a really intense (laughs) episode, but I mean, that's, that's who I am. I'm an intense person and I'm owning it and I'm figuring out how to utilize it. And I think that's one of the key takeaways. That's great.
0: No. Yeah, no, that's great. And good for you for recognizing that and owning it and like embracing it because so many people are not comfortable in their own skin and um, being able to embrace who you are is super important. So, uh, I'm really excited for this. Um, you know, like I said, uh, we can chat about, we could probably chat for, um, hours and hours on stuff like this. So, uh, I, I have a feeling we will talk again in the future on a podcast and, uh, get a little more, uh, specific on things.
1: No, that sounds great. Thanks so much. It's been a blast.
0: Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind, And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.